Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Southside Rabbi. Uh-oh. It's your boy, I mean the dream. Uh-oh. Sitting across from me, it's the illustrious, industrious, you know what I'm saying? Kevin Elijah Smooth and Groove Burgess. Let me tell y'all a story. Oh, boy. Wow. No, 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 for real. I was watching the Netflix documentary the other day. Okay. And I haven't watched Netflix documentaries in a minute. Okay. So it was on, uh, it was actually... Because of all the time you spend reading your Bible. Uh, so you I, took a small break. <laughs> you take breaks to love your wife and watch Netflix. No, it's uh, all of the time that I'm studying how to be like <laughs> Kevin Elijah Smooth the group Burgess. So um, I was watching this documentary. Um, it was actually on uh, Anna Nicole Smith. Okay. So I, I would caution people because, you know, she was like a, a playboy model, but she was also like a model for guests and stuff like sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and she was troubled because uh, she was addicted to drugs and stuff like that. She right. passed away yeah. from a drug overdose in 2007. Yeah. Um, and I never knew much about her. I remember when she passed away in 2007, that's when I learned about her, really. Yeah. Because it was like all over the news. It was yeah. a huge tragedy. Um, but one of the things that they were talking about in the documentaries, they were talking about, she was raised in this small town, Mahia, Texas, right outside of Houston. Um, mm. And she always, like, growing up, um, even when she was a little girl, she just attracted attention. Like, people were just drawn to her. Uh. From when she was a little girl, then when she was a teenager, like, yeah. they said that she would be in the mall and, bo- and like, men would just be following her. Like, yeah. she just attracted attention everywhere she went. Yeah. And that she always wanted to be famous, you know? And she was like, I got to get out of this small town in Texas. And, yeah. Uh, and try to make it big for myself and one of the editors of the magazine that she got uh that she got a contract with she was saying she's been around all these famous people been in high you know high level stuff when it comes to the industry right she said um there are people that relentlessly pursue fame like chase fame yeah right um and they get it and that reminds me of like somebody like a Kanye West. Like sure. you watched the Genius documentary, he yes. had a million no's. Yes. He was constantly knocking on doors, knocking down doors. Yes. T- telling everybody, I am famous. Y'all don't see, I know that I'm famous. Yes. I'm just trying to get everybody else on board to recognize the yes. fame that I, I, I'm already I, there. Right. I feel myself, I see it in my head. Right. Um, and with Kanye, the thing was his uh, level of talent matched his, uh, you know, who he thought he was in a, yeah. in a sense when it came to music. Yeah. Not other stuff, like running for president. You know what? But uh, she said that there are people that relentlessly pursue fame. Some get it, some don't. Yeah. But she said, then there are some people that fame grabs a hold of themselves and it never lets them go. Mm. That's what she said. And I think that for those people, you know, fame could kind of feel like a curse. Sure. But when she talked about how, like, there are people that are really kind of not looking for fame, it grabs a hold of them sure. and it doesn't let them go. Yeah. That's how I feel about what Genius does to Kevin Elijah Smooth and Groove Versus. <laughs> this man was just born into the world, minding his own business, going going throughout his life. Wow. Just, just kind of moving throughout his life there. as a child. Ah! And genius wow. which some people pursue genius and they get it some people a lot of people pursue genius and they don't get it some people think they're geniuses and they are not <laughs> like someone who said that he was a very stable genius a guy that was running the free world <laughs> wow but there are those in this world 
Albert Einstein. Come on, bro. Neil deGrasse Tyson. What? Uh, Cornell West. <laughs> Plato, Aristotle. Donald Pythagoreas. Trump. No, no. Barack no. <laughs> Obama. There are some people in this world that are just minding their business and, and, and genius tackles them wow. and won't let them go. Wowzers. And that is what happened to Kevin Stop Elijah it. Smooth and Groove Burgess. It, he cannot shake the monkey of genius off his back <laughs> if he wanted to. It, the monkey is more like a gorilla, as our, uh, as our producer said. Oh it's more God. like a silverback gorilla Please. that he will uh. never be able to overcome or overtake. It's like, so, it's like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu Gracie train gorilla <laughs> on his back, and it is submitting him every day of his life. Oh. In the rear naked choke, triangle choke, <laughs> arm bar, leg lock. Stop, bro. And so that's all I wanted to let y'all know is that if you are pursuing genius, good luck. Wow. Because genius is something that has to really kind of find you. I mean, you can get smarter. <laughs> the data shows that the I, you can increase your IQ. The person that came up with the IQ test came up with it to show people that you actually can increase your IQ. It's not something that's set in stone. Uh. However, what is set in stone is the genius that Kevin Elijah Smooth and Groove Burgess has. And if you try to elevate yourself to it, you will be sorely disappointed. Stop! So that's all I just want to say. Okay, first of all, Get, make, that make was some amazing. noise for my guy one time. That was amazing. Okay, I concede the victory of this exchange to you. So I, I, I'm not really going to try for real. You know what I'm saying? Because that's one thing you do. It's a, if you know you're losing, sometimes you just got to be cool and walk off the court, bro. Just take your L and go home. Did you? I mean, the, the buzzer didn't go off yet. You <laughs> left third quarter. So, I mean, did you lose? Did you forfeit, which is better? I'd say forfeit. Uh, but I will tell you this, though, uh, uh, about I mean the dream. It's interesting. He has really gotten me... Uh, he is always sending me book recommendations. And oftentimes those book recommendations lead me to other books. Like, because Amazon will suggest stuff. Shout True. out to Amazon. God Shout bless out you. Amazon. Um, one of the suggestions that I got was a book called Generations. And um, this, it was, I mean, didn't suggest this book to me, but he just, he suggested another book to me that had this book mm. uh, as a suggestion in the suggested books on Amazon, if you could follow what mm. I just said. Okay. <laughs> this book, Written by Gene Twang, PhD. You see that right there? Okay, PhD. That means that I know what I'm talking about. All right? This person... Play a hater degree. This person uh, spent uh, thousands of hours, uh-huh. millions of dollars, uh-huh. to gather data right. to collect the differences between generations. Uh-huh. Okay? okay? You got your silence. Okay. The silent generation. Uh, of, of course, you got your your your, your boomers. Uh-huh. All right, you got Gen X. Right, Gen X. You have millennials. Uh-huh. Uh, you have Gen Z. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there is the alphas, uh, uh-huh. the, or this unnamed generation that's, that my children are in right now. About every 24 years, yeah. right? 20, 24 years or so, there's a generational term. Genius okay? coming out already. Hold on. And, and, and what, what the author of this book is trying to do is get to the bottom of what are the differences between these generations? Why do they see things so differently? Right. How are they experiencing the world differently? And there's a lot of theories of why mm-hmm. there, there are differences in generations. I mean, obviously, different things are happening in the world. Right. For millennials, it was, it was 9-11. Uh-huh. Uh, for, for Gen Z, there's the pandemic. Right. Right. Uh, we, we think about 
uh, social uh, change. Uh-huh. Things become more socially acceptable that weren't socially acceptable See how this before. man is just reciting a book no, from memory? All, all I'm just saying is that they, they, they explore all the theories. But right. the author gets down to one salient reason. One salient reason for why there is generational change. Uh-huh. What Dr. Jean discovers in her research, uh-huh. again, the most exhaustive research we have, right, is that there is one salient reason why there are all these differences with one qualification. Now, the reason that she states in her book mm-hmm. is that technology is the single greatest driver of generational change. Gotcha. Uh, everything rides on the back of us being everything rides on the back of us being able to use science and knowledge right. to identify problems and solve them. Right. That's what technology is. The more of that we have, the more different we become. Right. She said with the exception of one factor. She said her research was confounded when she could not make sense of the biggest generational difference that she has found in the last 100 years. And that has been with the millennials. She said that the millennials have Amin the Dream Hudson and every other generation does not. And that is, that is a generational difference that the science, the knowledge, the research, all that we have available to us is not able to make sense of. And when I read that in her book, I, 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 I said, touche! I said, touche! That's the biggest generational difference. If you want to know what's, what's the difference between millennials and boomers and Gen Xers or millennials and Gen Zers, wow. okay, or alphas, wow. they don't have I mean the dream Hudson. And that's their problem. That is your problem. You know, when, you, when you're trying to work through issues in your organization, in your family, in your <laughs> own life, you got to lay everything out on the table. Right, right. You always have one problem if you don't know, know I mean the Dream Hudson. And that is, you don't know I mean the Dream Hudson. So you get that problem out, you get that out. Now, can you solve that? I don't know. I don't know if you can solve that. All right? But realize the fact that you don't know him, that oh. he is not in your life. You do not have the answers that you should have. Ladies and gentlemen, Make some noise. Thank you. For I mean the dream, mean machine, Hudson. Thank you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, no, I hey, I hey, I'm with the difference maker here. I know my role. I I am riding the coattail and I am happy to do so. I know my role. You You understand what I'm saying? You are a piece of work, bro. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, what are we talking about today, bro? Okay, so we are. We are entering probably our last couple episodes on Dangerous Jesus. Uh If you have not gotten this book, please go get it. God forgive you. And uh, go make that right at Amazon. Go make it right. Um, or where at Barnes & Nobles or wherever you buy your books, as we mentioned a few mm-hmm. episodes ago. Uh, this is now a bestseller. Bestseller. It is a bestseller. Now, we, we didn't, we, we missed the New York Times bestseller list. We, we're Just still, by a hair. We still believe in God is going to oh, add that yes. extra thousand books. Absolutely. That extra thousand that books extra to bring. Thousand is we believe in God for that extra thousand. But we are content, brother, Yes. that we are not only at the top of other prestigious lists, uh-huh. we are number one. Uh huh. At Red Snack Shack, barbecue ribs and wingettes. Yes. On Southside St. Petersburg. Right this there is on 18th Avenue. On, and it's an 18th Avenue, 4th Street Classic. bestseller. You understand yes, me, I'm brother? I'm telling you, when you go in, I told you, when you go in that mug and you say, let me get four pieces of red hots with that chicken, that, that red hot fried chicken with that ketchup and hot sauce mixture, they're going to give you a, 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 a chapter of Southside Rabbi on a cassette tape for free. Yeah. <laughs> 
How did they I mean, a chapter of Nature's Jesus on a cassette tape for free. How did they get it on a cassette tape? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. We don't know how Reds oh. does it, but we just know that he does. Wow. Okay. Yes. Understood. But uh, we're wrapping up our series, and we want to end it with um, another one of my favorite chapters yeah. because uh, and this is one of my favorite, not because of, um. Yeah, not 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 necessarily because of the way it was written or the need for this subject to be written on, which I think are, um, I appreciate both of those realities. But right. I think about what has been the most securing, healing, holding uh, reality in my life, and that has been the the cornania, as as Paul would say, mm-hmm. uh, the fellowship that I have with the brothers, right, um, and uh, the friendship that has emerged as a result. So I think it's very important for us to talk about friendship. Right. Um, especially, in this day, day and age. About it, especially in this day and age. Because I guess to pop it off, yeah. what we do see yep. is that the data yeah. within culture and society is showing us that human beings are very, very, very lonely. Yes. The loneliest and, they've and, ever and, been. And the loneliest they've ever been. And right. that loneliness problem existed before the pandemic. Yes. So we, 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 we tend to talk about life before the pandemic, right. life after the pandemic. Right. Um, and it could feel like, okay, we know that people were lonely during the pandemic. That's just objectively the case. Right. But the loneliness that we're speaking of preceded, it preceded it. the yes. pandemic. Yes. And the pandemic seems to have made it worse. Yes. Um, and so we do know that there is a we have there is a friendship problem right. that we have in America, especially amongst men. Right, right, right. Especially um, among men. Yeah, well especially said. among men. So yeah. um yeah. How, how, how does how does dangerous friendship speak to that? Yeah, and, and just to quickly underscore what you're saying about the mm-hmm. the the issue, because I I feel like friendship is such a sanitized or softened word. Yeah. Uh, yep. Nobody pops up like you know your issue is you need friendship. That, that, that's just not. It, it's it's not a, um, a a word that seems to be comprehensive enough right. to fix. Our different, our deepest uh, aches and longings, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think what helps the friendship to shine a little bit more is the backdrop of the problem, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as Amin already pointed to, these are studies that there's studies that came out in 2018, 2019, preceding the pandemic that show this gentleman named Dr. Douglas, uh, um, who works for, uh, who stu- is an officer for behavioral health at Cigna. Mm-hmm. Uh, suggested loneliness has the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, making it even more dangerous than obesity, mm. right? Yep. Um, it's, and, and the zombie-like drift into isolation is apparently on a steady incline. It's getting worse. According to Cigna in 2019, three in five Americans, that's 61%, report feeling lonely compared to more than half 54% in 2018. So 2018, loneliness was on the rise. 2019, loneliness was at an all-time high. And then the pandemic comes in 2020, right? And the already fragile, shaky society right. is met with mandatory isolation, <laughs> right? Right. So it's, it's uh, certainly something that goes a lot deeper than we probably have appreciated. Mm-hmm. I also think that, especially men, mm-hmm. that we've become so accustomed to being lonely. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's our bottom, that, that's our baseline. Mm-hmm. That uh, you don't realize the way your isolation is destroying 
your life. Right. Uh, you don't realize the ways in which isolation leads to spiritual, mental, and physical breakdown right. that you cannot afford. So I think it's important for us to take a step back and look at what God has to say about what friendship is supposed to be for the Christian and for humanity in general. Right. What is God's idea of friendship? Let me read one more thing too before we get into the nuts and bolts. I also want to be clear that this is not just a cultural issue. Right. We've talked about the ways in which the church has not been a force to redeem the culture around them. Yeah. But reflect right. the culture around them, right? Mm -hmm. Not redemption, but reflection. Right. Uh, that is where the church is the furthest away from what it's called to do. Mm -hmm. And the local church, the visible church, mm -hmm. is very much able right. to approximate what's going around them instead of redeeming, refining, reforming yeah. what's going on around them. Right. We see that all through history. Right, this right. is why. And I'm, and I'm making a point about that because some people will say, first of all, don't talk bad about the church. And I feel you because like, I love her. I want to protect her as well. I don't like people talking cash about her, especially people that don't know her right. and haven't committed to her. I don't like them talking trash about her. Yep. Okay? Yep. I, I'm with you. However, if a doctor is sitting down trying to diagnose a problem so that we can put together a treatment, they are helping you by talking about the problem in no uncertain terms. Right. Right? Right. So that's how we're, that's what we're doing right now. Yep. And yes, Christ at the head of the visible church, of the invisible church, it's a pure... Uh, a church that is standing, that is being made more like G. I understand all of that. Mm -hmm. That still works in the complexity and the messiness of this world, which is a church that is here, yeah. right? And oftentimes a casualty to sinfulness right. outside of them and inside of them. So there's no surprise that there is no demonstrable difference between what is happening inside of churches mm -hmm. outside of what's happening in the culture. Right. Now, there are some benefits to things like small groups. Me and I mean, we're just talking about um, mm -hmm. the importance of small groups in, in a church ministry mm -hmm. uh, because of the study that's been done on small groups. That right. they, The studies show that small groups actually elongate your life. Right. And again, we were saying yeah. that's not just small groups. The study says it's not just small groups in churches, but small groups in general. Right, right, right. But it was also speaking specifically about small groups yeah. in churches. Yep. Intimate gatherings with people yes. who are focusing, uh, that share commonality, cornonia. We'll yep. get into that in a second. Mm -hmm. They have a mutual bond between one another. Right. Them getting together and doing life with each other actually preserves life. Yeah. So I... that. that I love that churches are big on small groups. So I'm mm -hmm. a rah-rah, praise the Lord for that. Mm -hmm. However, I hear more than, in fact, I got a text message two days ago right, of somebody who was a part of a great church, mm -hmm. awesome church, feeling completely, but felt completely isolated, disconnect, disconnected from the life of the mm. church. It seems like there are some people in there that are, Loving it. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, not, I'm not connected to I'm outside to whatever. of that mug. Yes. Right. That is a common experience. I know mm. I just, I, I know some of y'all on the other side of this camera right now saying, hey man, mm, slapping your knee, yeah. pointing at the screen. Yeah. I get it, right? Here's a, a, a story that I mentioned in my book, but I didn't get to uh, put the whole letter in for, mm -hmm. because of copyright issues. Uh, Tyndale likes to follow the law. Um, <laughs> So Indian sister, she wrote this. She said, Dear church, writing her church, mm -hmm. I remember the first time I met you. I was no more than eight years old and I simply adored you. 
I had a friend called Mary who I played with every week with the, who I played with every week. And along with my little sister and mother, it was a joy to go to church. My, how things have changed. I'm now in my 30s, single, in a predominantly white church. I don't fit in anywhere, not with the married couples, the students, the young adults, the older generation, or even the children. The extrovert in me attempts to befriend people from honestly sharing with someone, I don't have many friends here, but I have some outside of church. To be met with the reply, well, that's okay then, as they quickly scuttle away. (laughs) I'd like to have more Christian friends. All my friends don't know Jesus. Well, at least you got friends. See you next Sunday. (laughs) I'm on the outskirts. There is no place for me here. Everybody wants to talk to those like them. From the students to the mothers to the young married couples, I again attempt to generate godly friendships, but find the elite looking old. Oh, oh, this is good. Mm -hmm. I again attempt to generate godly friendships, but find the elite looking over my shoulder for a better option as they feign a fake interest in what I'm saying. It hurts. It hurts so much. Mm. You see, I gave it all up for Jesus. I was seek. Mm. I knew it wasn't the truth and I gained a savior who died for my sins. But at the same time, I lost much the world esteems. I lost the chance of a guaranteed marriage. I lost the community it brought. And I lost my father who to this day practices Sikhism with his new family. When we followed Jesus, we gave up everything. But my mistake was thinking I would gain all that I had lost in the church. Wow. My mother, once embraced by the small church we attended as youngsters, would find herself constantly rejected by the modern day church due to her mental health struggles. She was messy, too emotional, complicated to love. Even I struggled at times until I took the time to understand her story, how she was refused in education, rejected and beaten by her family, sent to India, forced into a marriage, and then spent the next 36 years of her life under the curse of obsessive compulsive disorder, trying to wash away the feelings of worthlessness she had come to wear as a badge of honor. No one took the time to hear her story. I would have never said the church was potential. I would never have said that the church was potentially racist. I would have called you a heathen if you dared to speak such unthinkable things. But the more I try to locate the source of my rejection in church, I see very few other reasons why. I'm well presented, articulate, funny, and have much to offer. I'm an extrovert, so do so. So do most of the. Ho- I'm an extrovert, so I do most of the hard work in initiating conversations and friendships, yet truly no one wants to know. I find conversations cut dead short, attempts at socializing, socializing cleverly rebuffed, yet see the same people on social media stating how much they have loved getting to know someone new in a church. Wow. It cuts like a dagger to the heart, but I tell myself to try harder and eventually I will meet my people. Except it doesn't happen, and I realize there's so much against me in my pursuit of finding my place in church, my age, relationship status, the most devastating of all, my skin color. I don't want to, this is, she, she writes a lot more, which is fire. I'm just going to read her last, her last thoughts. So what's the answer? I'll pray for God to make a way where there is no way. I'll tell God I'm at the end of myself now and need him to move a mountain if he wants me to remain. I'll fight with everything. I have to stay in church if God commands, yet at the same time wonder if it's meant to be this difficult. Maybe for some it isn't, but for me it has been. And why? Well, maybe it's harder when there's more at stake, when the enemy is fighting to keep the church in a manner that often unintentionally ostracizes so many believers that don't fit their mold. 
Maybe a revolution is on the way, a church I dream of, a church for all creeds, for the broken, messed up, and hurting. Not a church that merely talks about welcoming everyone, but a church that actually does it. This has been Southside. Yeah, I mean, that's... Them some heavy words, man. Let's just start by saying Mm -hmm. that what she is pointing out in her letter is a travesty. Unfortunately, it's a common travesty. Right. And it is, my estimation, no one individual's... uh, uh, I don't blame this on the pastor. Mm. I I don't necessarily blame this on the elders. I'm not blaming it on one particular church member. Right. I understand this is a collective problem that needs a collective solution. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But that collective solution needs to be staring in the face... Of the travesty, bro. Right. Fam, God has intended for us to be everything that this is not, bro. Mm-hmm. That that a church that isn't welcoming, that isn't embracing, right. that is doing what James talked about. We spent a lot of time trying to get people to understand the connection between racism and partiality. Right. That this is covered under the things that Jesus died to eradicate. Right. Because you can't look at people based off of some... Uh, uh, artificial right. in uh, external um, attribute and begin to assign value to them. God wants you to assign value to people in accordance to how he does it. Right. 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 Through first who made them right. and whose image that they are in. Right. And then looking at people at the content of their character, their commitment to the gospel. I think about that, that quote, blood is thicker than water, which is actually a misquote. That, that It's a misquote from this idea that uh, that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, mm-hmm. which basically means those that you commit to, that you are in covenant with, that that is a thicker, more committed, more heavy relationship than those that you know by blood because right. y'all share the same womb or y'all have the same DNA. Right. That the blood of the covenant is the most uniting reality in the human experience. Where do we have blood of the covenant kind of stuff happening? Right. Yeah. The Church of Jesus Christ. Exactly. And to not have the blood uniting us, not be, having it not thicker than personality, or or or, or thicker than than guys that are, or people that that share my interests, or, or or thicker than race, or thicker than social class or, or social status. Mm-hmm. That the blood, if it's not thicker than those things. My question becomes, do we have the blood? So it's it, it's great it's crazy that you say that because what Barna shows in their poll in their polling yeah. is they said that in particular, evangelicals are less likely than most to have friends who are different than them, especially when it comes to religious beliefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 91% similar, ethnicity, 88%, Ooh. and political views, 86%. Wow. So Barna's talked about how evangelicals are less likely. To actually embrace people that are different, wow. social status, wow, 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 race and ethnicity, um, uh, uh, religious beliefs, yes, all of that, yes, it, all of what you just said, yes, it shows that the the data shows that evangelicals are the least likely to actually oh, help us, through. right? So, it, so yeah. what you're saying is backed up by data, yeah, 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 for sure. And the and the question does become, like you said, well, do we have the blood? Do then? we have the blood? Right. Because or, or are we just 
we we like the idea of the blood. Ooh. But then when we when we come under the tent of community, yes. of Christian community, yes. what we do is we do things exactly the same way that the world does. Yes. It. Who is most like like yes. me? Um, yes. and uh who shares all my interests, yes, all my social, you know, the s- same social status, yes, same yes. race, same ethnicity. Yes. Uh, you know, oh, it also talked about how a lot of people uh share um they, they that they are drawn to people that are like in the same age group too. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and so like we just get under the under the umbrella and we do the same thing. And 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 that's what the data shows. Data shows that humans in general do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's it, human it, it, nature. It's human nature. It behooves us as the church yeah. to be the folks that break out of that. Though. Yes. But what we found the, is like you said, yeah. that we've become just the thermometer. We've That's not right. have I mean, we, yeah, we've become the not the thermostat, but the thermometer. That's we've right. kind of just done what is already happening. That's right. That's it's right. It's just That's happening right. now in the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just uh <laughs> that the thermometer uh thermostat thing is important because there's only one reality that's designed to break that, which right. is the power of the gospel, right? The power yeah. of the gospel reorganizes relationships mm-hmm. that it, it's <laughs> family, family. I, I can't stress enough that Christianity was not cool enough to win me, bro. Yeah. I, 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 I've said this before on stage. I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I was pretty cool before I came to Christ, bro. I had some really difficult personal issues. I was in a dark place. Uh, There's some real depression. There was some real addiction. There was some real identity issues that the Lord jumped in yeah. and really did some miraculous works in right, my life. Right. There's some spiritual, you know, kind of. But as far as social status, but as far as social status was concerned, if there was any chance that I would be one, it wouldn't be like, man, that church has Xboxes, or you know, what I'm saying like, like. Man, like, bro, they have a forty-five minute sermon, yeah. like service, right? Uh, like, it, it it wasn't appealing. In, in fact, I knew it wasn't cool. Yeah, and I, it, it would have had to be more appealing than what you already had. Absolutely. When we were in the world, the thing that drew us into Christianity was not the 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 the. the the perks of being a part of a social club. Right, no. Because we were a part of social clubs that we were happy to be a part of right, already. Right, absolutely. The perk was the supernatural yeah. connection to, to the God of the universe yeah. that he would walk with us. We would walk with him and turn us into something that we were not. Right. Healing our hearts, our land, and making us into his image as we get to participate in his mission. All of those things, that's what drew us in. Right. If we are attending a fellowship that has hollowed itself out into a social club, Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then it has perks of this guy gets to spend time with that guy. Right, right, because that guy means something. He's respected, or he can has some ability, or or she's in the in crowd of. You lose everything. The church loses its ability to have a competitive edge. Yes, you lose your competitive edge. Yes, yes. Our competitive edge is 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 in this mm-hmm. reorganizing of social relationships. You come to this place and find something yeah. where the presence of God is so active, yeah. so felt, so discerned that we don't behave 
like what you would find in any other gathering absolutely. in the world. Absolutely. You find sacrifice, you find commitment, you find care, yep. you find diversity, diversity. Yep. you find people's race or ethnicity or their their uh, intelligence or yep. their education. All of those things are subservient to the covenant, the right. blood covenant that we have through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus yep. Christ. All of that is subservient. Yep. If that isn't happening, okay, again, let me, one last analogy. Yeah, no, go ahead. I, Christian hip-hop, in his heyday, the golden years, a part of what allowed us mm -hmm. to enjoy such uncontested uh, success was that Spotify didn't exist. Okay, let, let me let me tell mm -hmm. you that. Explain so, that. So what we so, mean. so so it's just funny because uh, the author in this book, Generations, really is arguing that technology is the catalyst to to all generational change, mm -hmm. and how technology is just connected to. Uh, uh, values right, how it, right. it then creates the context for new values to emerge mm -hmm. so like if you had if you have a washing machine a dryer and a microwave you literally just cut out like you just got back like a hundred two hundred hours right. back into your your year right you know right. what i'm saying <laughs> so what now i have 100 200 hours now what might i do mm -hmm. and if, if you were a female in the the early 1900s right without a washing machine a dryer or, or, or early 1800s rather, right 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 uh yeah, you you your whole day consisted that's of right. washing and cooking. That's right. Preparing. That's right. Meals. Yeah. Right. 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 So then you see the values start changing. You see women that are now achieving more. That are yeah. that are that are uh, you know sort of these viable forces in the the workspace, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. Praise God for that. Anyways, but I think the same thing happens for. Uh, I, I, it's funny that they make she makes that point because I see that exact same thing with Christian hip hop. Mm. We didn't have playlists. So like, if Johnny is one to listen to is his parents don't want him listening to secular hip-hop, right, right. then he can't just simply go to a search engine and right. put in J. Cole right. and now listen to J. Cole and Lecrae. Right. He can only listen to Lecrae. Right, right. He only, only listen to Triple E because yeah. it was CDs. Right. It was a lot harder to engage. To yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to have like, a wide span. Right. And when you, when you, when you open it up, well, now, every, you can, now you can listen to KB and Kanye on the same exact playlist. Right. Because you create the playlist. Remember, back in the day, we were given our genres. Yep. And, and if you were a part of this genre, listen to that kind of music, yep. and that's who you were. Right. You were part of that scene. Yep. Now that now technology has made everything diverse, but everything is just kind of opened up. A la carte. That's right. So yeah. now we're competing in the main market. We're in the we're we're Ooh. with everyone else. So how we perform, what kind of music that we make, right. even when we're borrowing from them, right. all that stuff is a lot more scrutinized now because it's all at the, the same, same place, place yeah. right? Which mean, which calls Christian hip-hop to be more pro prolific and to know that its competitive edge is not going to simply be re-saying the things that they say, there, but, but, right. but just In a not different cursing. way, right. Yes. Right. There's a, it has to be more now. Yeah, you got to have another competitive edge. And what a lot of people have found, good and bad, is that if I really lean into Jesus, I'm actually different from everybody else. Mm. I get to stick out. Then there's some good to that. Then there's, there's some, some people that, that just take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah. All of that to say that the church, as technology, <laughs> as technology moves forward, I was not planning on making this point, bro. Yeah. But as technology moves forward, 
it gives people access to the realities mm-hmm. of these local assemblies. Right. They're on Reddit now. We're able to do reviews. Yeah. We're able to get up in groups outside of this. We're and able talk to about share experiences. We can right. share experiences right. on our right. Twitter, our Facebook. Articles are being written. If there's an investigation done, it isn't just published at your elder meeting. It's on the WashingtonPost.com. Yeah. As that is happening. Churches have to have another competitive edge mm. besides, hey, we're a place that is super inviting, that has a great, great, great no. worship yeah. a, and a prolific preacher. The competitive edge has to be more than just the services they offer as far as like, we have good music, right. we have lights, right. uh, we have a cool looking sanctuary. Yes. Now the our com- pastor is extremely good our, looking. Our, our pastor is great he looking. definitely be in GQ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, can be, he can be in GQ. He wears <laughs> fear of God, everything. Yeah. Like now the competitive edge Number one, this is uh, that's a great point. Yeah. Because the church, because technology has advanced so much to the point that where now the world is at our fingertips, right? We as people have access to all kind of different spaces. Yeah. So the church having lights, yes, and good music, yes, and cool looking staff, yes, cannot be a competitive edge because you could get lights, good music, and a cool-looking staff at other establishments. Yes. Like a concert or like yes. some other social club. Yes, or Forever 21. Forever 21. Or <laughs> I'm just joking. Working for Yeezy. Yes. No, but, um, but, I, but now the competitive edge for the church has to be what the competitive edge has always been in Scripture. Yes. And that is that we are actually different kind of people Ooh. than you experience out there in the wild yes. so that yes. when you come in contact with us, yes. you get something that you do not get anywhere else, yes. which is the competitive edge, right? Yes. When we talk about competitive edge in business, it is, what is my business offering that is different right. than other businesses where they cannot get this at any other business, That's right? That's right? right. Yeah. And so the, the competitive edge that Jesus always wanted the church to have yes. is trans, a transformed life. Yes of having this intimate relationship with the risen Savior that then bleeds into the relationships that we have with one another. Yes. So the same sacrifice that Jesus has for us, we do for one another. Yeah. The same selfless type of love. Yeah, yeah. The same kind of uh, uh, unqualified diversity that Jesus has. It yeah. doesn't matter your color, your shape, your size, your height, your background, your past. He will save anyone that comes to him Ooh. in repentance. We're supposed to have that same kind of openness and relational uh, 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 kind of uh, realities in which we are forming these relationships with these folks, with, yes. with people. Yes. Um, and that is that gives us the competitive edge in which you do not experience this anywhere else. Yeah. But if your competitive edge is just that you have laser light shows and and smoke smoke machines, and your pastor can give a good sermon, but it there, there's nothing outside That's of that. Right. There's the only- nothing happening. Yeah. I, one of my I won't say his name. Yeah. I, I got too much respect for him. But and and he's dead. Uh. But uh, sorry, I know that was random. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he was said to be one of the. I'm not talking about Charles Spurgeon. Uh-huh. Um, but he was said to be one of the best preachers of his of his time. I mean, I, I've read his sermons and yeah. it's unreal. Just a powerful preacher, bro. Yeah, yep. I know. Um, but the consensus was that not much of what he was preaching was actually getting on the people that he was preaching it to. They were coming to watch him perform. As, perform. And it was very, very encouraging because, yeah, it's like we, it's almost like when Kanye was at Joel Osteen's church when he said that basically God saved the best artists that ever existed because the devil always has the best artists. And the God's like, hey, I want one of them. You know what I'm saying? So I had to throw me a Kanye on in there so that we can have better music. Uh, and Kanye's, that album that came out was pretty good. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's like, 
Yeah, like you, you, you see it in that perspective, and from that perspective, we God is basically saving talent, right? And then and he and, and then we feel so blessed to have this ex NFL football player with all this talent that can go anywhere else. Not, not hating on ex NFL, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Tim Tebow's my guy, mm-hmm. okay. But we got this guy that could be speaking anywhere else, right? He's speaking at the convocation at at uh, at Harvard, but he's here with us. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. This I feel. Oh, yeah. Special. I, I, I feel special. I feel seen right. in that. And going to observe that every single week and, and seeing this brilliance, that doesn't necessitate that what they are saying is now actually becoming discipleship. Ooh. That the sermon is actually being transferred, for, formed into, man, my mom used to tell me all the time back in the day how she said that that uh, she when she was a kid, they would go to church. And, they, every, and, and when church was over, oftentimes they would leave church and they would be like, yo, church was amazing today. And and uh, and, and my mom would always be like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, well, cool, cool. What, what did they speak about? And they'd be like... You just got to hear it. I don't know, but it was good. Yep. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't do things at the church that maybe you can't articulate afterwards. Right, right. Sometimes, right? yeah. When you're gathering. Right. But, Sometimes, but, but discipleship does involve teaching and practicing. Yeah. And not re- just moments of, of a spectacular deliverance, which because I then it's just a per- Because then it's just a performance, though. That's right. Like, it's just, I came here, I got a... Per- I, got, I mean, we've dealt with that. Sure, sure. We, being ra- if you were raised in a church, everybody yeah. wasn't, but I was. Yeah. We saw a lot of nominal Christianity. Right, there right. were folks that I saw in church every Sunday, standing, clapping, singing, telling the pastor, go ahead, and Monday through Saturday, they were not living any of the stuff that sure, the pastor sure. was saying. Absolutely. Because every Sunday, what they were experiencing was a performance. It That's makes right. them feel good. It's That's like right. any other performance That's that right. you see. That's right. That's right. It's like it's like going to a concert or, or going hearing to somebody a movie. Speak, or going to, going to a movie. If I go a to a movie, I go see Creed 3 and IMAX. Yep. I don't expect what is happening here to mean much more after I've left. Yeah. It kind of dies down Very by the time rare I that get somebody to the car. says a movie transformed my life. Yeah, that's right. I understand that that may Sometimes happen. Sometimes it happens. But it's but but it's rare though. We're looking for transformational moments, yeah. not a transformational lifestyle. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Which is based, which is a lot less. Sexy and, uh-huh. and, and it requires work and commitment, and that's what Christianity mostly is, though. It's transformational lifestyle. That's right. Moments. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you have Jesus saying, "I'm leaving them in this world." Right. All right. Because if we, if it was just a transformational moment, he could have raptured us at the point of conversion. Yep. But he's leaving us here to not just, uh, as it were, be like we are the lame man that he helped to, to get said, "Get up and walk." Right. But that's just a moment. Now the man has to walk now. He has to walk from place to place to place to place. And there's some Jesus responsibility now that he has he can walk. That's right. Might not have been able to work before. Yeah, now he can. Gotta work now. now he got to get a job. You got to do some squats now, it's just too. Like, it's just like you with get, that. can't skip leg day. Leg day it, is... You can't skip leg day. You got to keep the faith <laughs> strong. So it's, it, But it reminds me real quick about when we when we did a... When me and KB did like a, a, a live thing in Minneapolis with our brother Ebenezer. Shout out to Ebenezer. Ebenezer. He talked... Uh, and then we had uh, Matthew Hudson, a comedian, come on before us. He did a set where he did this, this funny set about his uncle. Yes. And he talked about how his uncle was in a wheelchair for all of these years, and then he went to get healed at a tent went, revival. At, at, at a tent revival, and then he, he started regaining strength back in his legs. Wait, got wait, out. hold on, wait, what hold on, hold on, wait, don't what? mess it. I don't want to. Oh, go ahead. The, the, so someone he 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 knew he was he was praying to get healed. The pastor, uh-huh. the preacher came to lay hands on him. Yep. Uh huh. And then the healing started working. He right. felt strength. He felt strength in his legs. Yes. He was kind of getting out of his wheelchair slowly. Yes. And then he recognized that if he was healed, he wouldn't be able to continue to get his check. His disability his check. His disability check. So he just put his behind right back you know, in that wheelchair. He sat back down and rejected it. It was healing. like, I do not want healing. But so, but I'm. <laughs> 
Because I need, I need, to do, I need more of that. I, I need, need that, more dis- of that disability check. But what I'm saying is that it could be like that when it comes to the transformational lifestyle. Like now that there, now that the moment has happened, right? There is some requirements of you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you get about this wheelchair, bro. You're gonna actually have to get a job. Yeah. We're not gonna give you money anymore. That's right. That's right. That there's, there's some responsibility <laughs> that comes with right. the healing that I'm giving you. This right. the transformative moment comes with responsibility. Right, right, right. And whether or not you want the responsibility right. what is, uh, that comes with that really is dependent upon whether or not your heart has been changed. That's right, that's right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I totally so, agree. And so it's like, okay, now that God has done this in my life, there are some requirements that he has of me and I want to yes. keep those requirements. Yes, yes, yes. If, if, if it's like now that there's some requirements of me and I don't want to have anything to do with those requirements, right. then you might have just been there for the loaves and the fish, brother, and right. not for Jesus. Yeah, that's right, that's right. You and I think saying? the beautiful thing about what you're saying too is on the other side of faithfulness to what God has said is prosperity, bro. Yes. You are setting up a world that you are in some ways you're choosing. Let's let's be let's be sensitive. I understand that some people understand their ecclesiology is that I go to church like how I go to movies. Mm-hmm. Right, I, what I am looking to experience—the the laughter, the crying, the uh, the my heart move, the mm-hmm. the 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 entertainment uh, kind of uh, boost—you know, I don't know, the mm-hmm. dose of good entertainment rather. Right, I experience while service is happening. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm giving to this church. That's why I'm here regularly. That's why right. I'm serving the the mission. Right, is because the locus of my transformation happens on Sunday mornings. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people have approached church like that, and let me just say, I don't think that that is something that just springs out of carnality. Absolutely, there 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 have been times in American history where that was the only time. Right, that was the only time you had to meet with God. Right, especially if you come from. Chattel slavery. Yes. Because the other time, you were working. Yep. You And you had and, to work. And you, you, you didn't yes. have access to the Bible or access to literacy to That's even right. read or it. Or you couldn't read. Absolutely. You yes. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, the church had to be the transformational moment. That moment had to be it. Yes. That the, had to be The Lord's every, day, for yes, sure. absolutely. I think this, similar with, with, with Israel, although there obviously were, there were requirements for how they would live during the week. Right. But they... In order for you to live in an agrarian, ancient, Near oh, Eastern yeah. society, you had to be working sun up to sun down. Yeah. The, so, everybody. The Lord's Day was the boost. Yes. The Lord's Day was the boost. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with the Lord's Day being the boost. That's right. That's right. But it's the boost to an end. Though. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the end is for this to, 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 to show up in, in the rest of right. the week. Right. What I'm saying is, is that a litmus test for where we are as a community is are the people loved? Yeah, and, and I'm not just saying is the pastor loving them. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Um, that that pastor, the the preacher that I, I mentioned earlier, who I have a lot of respect for, but it was said that his church, uh, uh, it, it was it, it was like going to see a, to a museum to watch a statue that actually preaches for us every week. That's what it was like. He didn't know them. They don't know him or where he came from or what he was about. And he didn't meet with anybody. He was a shepherd that smelled nothing like the sheep. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And that 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 that's a problem. Pastors have to to be the ones who set the tone mm-hmm. for engaging. I, I appreciate being a part of a church with a pastor that is his calendar is filled mm-hmm. with engagement as much as he possibly can with folks in the church. Uh, the pastor sets the tone for that, but it ain't all on him, right? It's not. It's not all on him. It's not all on the leadership. Okay, it's on us, yes. right? Because if people are going to feel loved, then we got to be the lovers. Yeah. 
we, we, church. We, that's right. And 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 I and again, the, to the degree that I am simply doing a a alternative social club, right? That I'm calling church, right? Um, or putting all my eggs in the experience, right? On Sunday, mm-hmm. and what happens there is what what is all that happens. To the degree I'm doing that is uh, manifest in my love for the people around me, right. which is often demonstrated in biblical friendship. Amen. Biblical friendship. Bro. Amen. And uh, we'll talk about the next episode. Yeah, we'll talk about. I think that in this episode <laughs> we did a great job at doing kind of an autopsy <laughs> on where the church is when it comes to friendship why it is, what are some of the things that we are seeing that's causing some of the issues yeah. that we have. I think we'll be in the next episode, we'll get a little we'll get a little bit more practical. Yeah, for sure. A little bit more practical. Yeah, a little bit more practical. Yes, you know absolutely. But this has been Southside Rabbi. Yes, indeed. This is, I, I mean, the dream. I, I, I am K to the second letter. I was just stuttering before I came in, like drill music. This is stupid. And we love y'all. We'll see y'all the next one. Peace. I was an athlete, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I obsessed over being cool. I'll have you know that Amin was in a similar state. Amin was voted the best dressed student in his entire school. Oh my okay? gosh. All right. That was it. You go to Gold. Most talkative, which Bogus is why I do a podcast. Oh, for real? Yeah. They say he's gonna be doing something that, that involves looking cool and talking a lot. <laughs>